the whole gospel. It is our responsibility. It's like a mandate, you know, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. It's not to pick those assignments. That's the whole syllabus of life, and we're responsible for all of it. Albert Reyes of Buckner International is today's first-person guest, and I'm Wayne Shepard. Welcome to this week's interview. Al Reyes grew up in a family where his grandfather was a migrant worker and his father picked cotton as a boy, so every opportunity he has to minister around the world to the least of these reminds him where he came from. You'll hear his story in a moment on this edition of First Person. Thanks for tuning in this week. In addition to listening on the radio, you can listen online. You can download the podcast through iTunes or use the new iPhone iPad app to listen anytime. You'll also find us on Facebook where you can interact with other listeners and leave your comments about what you hear. Just go to facebook.com slash interview. As president and CEO, Dr. Albert Reyes has traveled the world on behalf of Buckner International, meeting needs and providing hope to children and families in some of the poorest communities on the planet. In his new book, The Jesus Agenda, he recruits and encourages all of us to engage in a redemption ministry. Dr. Albert Reyes, today on First Person. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity to tell my story. My grandfather uh, was born in Laredo, Texas uh, on September 16, 1898. Uh, His parents uh, uh, were from Mexico. They would drive cattle back and forth across the river, Del Rio area, and uh, on one cattle drive, the uh, his parents, my grandfather's parents, uh, uh, were attacked and, and killed. Cattle were stolen, and uh, my grandfather, whose name was Jose Maria Reyes, was not with them. Uh, he was at home, and so he was raised by an uncle. And so at a very, very young age, he became an orphan and um, grew up uh, as a migrant worker and eventually was married and settled in Corpus Christi. Uh, so growing up, they pretty much were agricultural-type workers, uh, cattle uh, picking uh, cotton and would spend their days uh, following the crops uh, to make a living, to carve out uh, a living. Uh, so they sell in Corpus Christi, but they would travel to West Texas, uh, primarily Snyder outside of Lubbock, and would uh, pick cotton all day. And uh, I remember stories of my dad saying uh, how they would sleep on the back in the back of pickup truck. And then we got uh, during the cold harvest season when it was cooler, they'd all bunch up into the cabin of the truck, and my grandfather would sleep under a tarp, uh, oh. even times when it was just really cold. They would eat uh, beans and tortillas uh, for breakfast and for lunch. But he said at night it was real special. It was better because my grandmother would add bacon and they'd have refried <laughs> beans and tortillas at night. You know, so I have heard those stories over and over. And uh, part of our growing up, uh, my dad would remind us that um, we were blessed to um, have a place to live, a family, uh, a roof over our heads, and clothes to wear, and uh, food to eat. And he would always remind us that don't ever forget, you know what those that did before us did for us so that we we would be uh, blessed with what we have today. Sounds like a hard life for them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, even though the stories, I'm sure, as a child get old, uh, they really yeah. set you up for life, don't they? They, they do. 
they they do that kind of informed uh my dad's upbringing you know he was a marine a u.s marine and um, so i often tell people i was raised uh according to the standards of the u.s marine corps and the scripture so well, you didn't stand <laughs> so, a chance <laughs> i didn't stand a chance there you know there wasn't talking back there wasn't of course we misbehave like all children do but we also were introduced to pretty swift discipline and uh you know our parents took us to church uh it was very common for us to come back from church and my mother would cook up a storm and invite people over or, and then at some point in the afternoon when everybody left she'd uh, send us to the living room and, and she would tell my dad it's time for you to tell the boys the bible story mm-hmm. so he would open the scripture and he would pick a story and read to us and i'm sure we, at times we were bored and kind of didn't want to be there but sure. kids are kids i'll never forget yeah, as a kid, yeah. But I'll never forget that, uh, boy, the, they, they took it seriously to uh, ground us in the stories of, uh, of of the Scripture, of God's work. And that kind of became the way we grew up in church. And if we weren't doing that, we were working at our grocery stores and laundromats and things that we did. So there wasn't a lot of time to get in trouble uh, other than you know, just the normal things that kids do. But when did their faith become your faith? I've tried to tell my kids, you can't have my faith, you've got to have your own. You know, of course, we introduced them to the to the gospel and to the scriptures. But I was uh, about nine years old, and uh, we were living in Rialto, California. Uh, we were the only Hispanic family in the church. There was another African-American family. Predominant uh, culture of the congregation was Euro-American. And, um, and one day I w- was in church, and uh, I can't tell you the name of the sermon, but I did remember, I did realize that I was in trouble. I, I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior. And so that really impressed me that day after um, lunch. I, I asked my mom, Mom, is there a way, what do I have to do to know that my sins are forgiven, that uh, I, I can have eternal life too? So she um, she called me over, and they sat down in the living room, and they uh, explained the gospel to me. It was very cool, just the, the Roman road. Uh, and I understood, and I asked, uh, how can I pray to, to be forgiven? And they showed me how, and I prayed right there at home. And then uh, and then a week later, we went to church, and they said, well, you know, you need to tell the rest of the church what you did this week. So I was couldn't wait to the invitation time to go down and tell the pastor this week I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. And um, I, I've been a pastor, too, and I often tell parents, don't, don't give that privilege away to a, a trained seminary clergy person. That, you know, that place in the mm-hmm. first line of spiritual development ought to be the parents, you know, and in the family. And then you can share it with the family of faith, of course. Uh, but I've had a number of parents, I, I think they're ready, my child's ready, would you tell them how to get saved? And I'm like, no, that's your, <laughs> yeah. that, that's your privilege. Yeah. But I, of course, I, I've done, you know, but that's how it happened well, with I me. pass up on that opportunity. I agree with you 100%. Well, you've had quite a ministry career. We won't go through every step of it, but now you find yourself president and CEO of Buckner International. It really is a remarkable journey from your roots to where you are today in ministry in one way, but in another way, it's all the same, isn't it? It really has been a great journey. Uh, I just see it as an expression of my salvation, of, of coming to know Christ and being uh, born again and, and re- redeemed from uh, all that happened to us. And it's just wonderful to see 
how in uh, the early 1930s, a man by the name of uh, Edward P. Gonzalez met my family in the um, the fields and invited them to the church. And my dad's mother, uh, Francisca Rodriguez Reyes, heard the gospel first, and she responded. And then one by one, each of the nine children uh, professed their faith in Christ, and then that's how I had raised us. And and uh, it, it, and I, of course, I came to know the Lord. And then, and I was 15 years old. I sitting in a church uh, service, a revival, a uh, missionary from Spain, uh, uh, Dr. Antonio Anaya, uh, was preaching, and he spoke about a vocational call to ministry, and I, I had been, I had, there was a stirring in my heart up to that point, and I told my dad, hey, Dad, if they if they uh, talk about serving the Lord more, I, I just want you to know I, I might go forward. And You're ready. I was, respect, <laughs> I was ready. So they gave the invitation, and I walked up there not knowing anything about what I was doing, except I had been conditioned to obey. You know, when you got a Marine Corps hat that tells you to do something, you just do it, you know. And yeah. so when that transferred to when I sensed the Father for the Lord, you know, uh, just tugging at my heart, I, I didn't know, I didn't have a list of, of conditions or questions. I just said yes, because that was the condition, the conditioning that I had, and I just said, well, whatever that means, I hope, Lord, it doesn't mean I've got to stand up there like my pastor in front of everybody and talk, you know. I don't know if I can do that, but anything else, you know, I hope it's not that. But I just said to my pastor, I think the Lord's calling me to serve in some way, but I don't know how. And that's how it began. Uh, a year later, I uh, my pastor put me to work that year, and a year later, he invited me to preach uh, during a youth service Sunday night. So that was my first sermon. That was when I was 16, and it's been uh, this year, 40 years now, I've been preaching the gospel, and it's taken me to just places I never would have dreamed of. And I just offered what I had, and over time, I've gotten, I've been able to overcome standing in front of a group of people, and uh, I, I still always have a little nervousness when I get ready to speak, uh, and that's why I turn to the Holy Spirit and ask for help, you know, and just say, Lord, I've done what I could or I haven't done what I could, but either way, I need for you to show up like right about now. <laughs> so uh, it's great to see. And that way I know that whenever I'm done speaking, if anything happens, I know that it's the Lord yeah. that was there, you know. How do you describe, in just a few words, how do you describe your life mission? You know, I in the early 1990s, I was uh, at a church in Southern California, in Los Angeles. It's now called Mosaic. In those days, it was uh, the church on Brady, and I was at a conference, a missions conference, and attended a seminar that was titled, When You Get to Where You're Going, Where Will You Be? And my response was, I have no idea. I'm getting there fast, you know. <laughs> And so I took the seminar, and at the end of those 90 minutes, I had my life mission statement written out, and it was uh, to develop kingdom leaders from my circle of influence to the ends of the earth. And since about 1992, that has remained my singular focus for uh, the ministry and for how I steward the rest of my life. I was in a car accident uh, that was supposed to be fatal uh, in college in my early 20s, and at least that's what the DPS uh, officer said, I, I don't understand why you're still alive. And so it was an uh, accident involving a, uh, another car and a cow. Oh. So I just end up uh, on the side of the road. And I knew from that day that, you know, after the officer said that, I thought, you know, okay, so there's got to be a real specific reason why I'm still on the planet. And I want to know what that is. I 
figured it out. And the purpose of my life is to develop kingdom leaders from my circle of influence to the ends of the earth. Dr. Albert Reyes of Buckner International, our guest today on First Person, will continue in a moment. In cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, we're now producing the daily radio program FEBC Today with Ed Cannon. When you click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com or the banner on our new iPhone iPad app for First Person, you'll learn more about what you can do to assist FEBC in taking Christ to the world through radio and new technology. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com or download the First Person smartphone app today. My guest today on First Person is Dr. Albert Reyes, a native of Corpus Christi, Texas. He is now president and CEO of Buckner International, which is a global Christian ministry founded many years ago in 1879 in Dallas, and it focuses on serving vulnerable children, orphans, seniors, and their families. And he's the author of The Jesus Agenda, which is what I want to talk about now, Dr. Reyes. Uh, this uh, this book, I, I think, really sums up what you're all about, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it really ties in uh, my life journey uh, as I experienced it and the redemptive work of God in history and specifically in our own lives uh, to uh, take those things that were intended for harm and turn them into good. I mean, it's the Romans 8.28 theme, and um, I, I, I want to see that. I long to see that in the lives of everybody around me, but especially vulnerable children, orphans, uh, struggling families, and even senior adults, as we serve seniors as well, to to realize their their full redemptive uh, mission and purpose uh, on earth. Was there a time in your life when you put a, a distinction between social work and evangelism? You know, there was, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I had a very good uh, theological education and training, but just to be honest with you, for most of my life, uh, I thought that the social work and helping people in practical ways was just not my department. It, it wasn't really emphasized in my theological training. Uh, th- that was another group uh, that might be Goodwill or Salvation Army or somebody else, but my my specialty was focused on how to solve the spiritual uh, questions and issues that people had and how to lead them to a relationship with Christ. And I just really didn't have a lot of uh, focus or attention on, well, what do you do between, you know, Monday and Saturday when life gets pretty bad? Uh, you know, we, it's not that we weren't helpful and, and responding to people around us, but I didn't see it as my mission. Uh, for a good part of my uh, life and, and, and uh, ministry experience, uh, I, I was really operating out of uh, one half for 50% of what our responsibility is uh, related to spiritual development and opportunities for people to have a faith expression, a faith experience with God through Christ. But I, I really wasn't uh, equipped or trained or focused on the other half of, of what, how to help folks have the kingdom of God near. The whole gospel is our responsibility. It's like a mandate, you know, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. It's not pick those assignments. That's the whole syllabus of life, and we, we're responsible for all of it. As you study Scripture, uh, you see that we need to be agents of redemption ourselves. What do you mean by agents of redemption? 
those that follow Jesus of Nazareth, uh, all, all all throughout our communities and cities and our country and in the world, uh, we really are an untapped resource. And those of us that have come to faith in Christ and are have have had an experience of our lives being redeemed, um, knowing that Jesus is the Redeemer, can join Him in redemptive work that He's doing in the lives of other people. So we become the hands and the feet of Jesus. We stretch arms around people and express the love of Christ. We pay attention to issues of justice and poverty, and we we try to bring the kingdom near. And I'm reminded that Jesus prayed for three things. His name, he prayed for his will, God's will, and he prayed uh, for his kingdom. And, And he even said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. As we're working in the lives of of people around us in our circle of influence to bring to bear the kingdom of God for them, that place, we become agents of God's redemptive work. We're we're agents of the Redeemer, so we become agents of redemption. And that's a very exciting uh, notion that each one of us would have purpose for the kingdom and that we can actually engage with God in His work and history. It's a pretty exciting thought. Something else that excites me about what you've written in the Jesus Agenda is a call for collaboration. You say that uh, too often these ministries exist in silos, uh, you know, doing what they do, but really not cooperating with others. And, and you at Buckner are a good example of this, of reaching out and cooperating with other ministries around the world. What, talk to me about where that vision comes from and what is the impact of that? Uh, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added to you. It's an aspirational vision that we, we should pursue. However, I'm guilty of it, and other ministries that I've been part of, we, we, we don't seek His kingdom, we seek our kingdom. You know, even to the point of exclusion of others, uh, because we want to either have gold or credit. Uh, and so I tell people, look, Buckner is not the kingdom. You know, uh, the kingdom is the kingdom. Your local church is not the kingdom. The kingdom is the kingdom. And the local church is a, the cutting edge of redemptive history and work, and other ministries are expressions of the kingdom. But the kingdom is huge. It's bigger than everything put together. So if you seek the kingdom, shouldn't we cooperate, collaborate? Shouldn't we do something together that we couldn't do by ourselves? So in your leadership at Buckner, you encourage this cooperation with others. And for instance, the International Justice Mission is, is one organization that you, you uh, join hands with? Right, right. Uh, we have a, a unique and have had a unique relationship with uh, IJM, with International Justice Mission, in that they're very uh, focused on um, uh, engaging situations where children are involved in uh, human trafficking, sex trade, and so they bring to bear on the justice side of it the apprehension of the perpetrator. And then, uh, of course, when that happens, you have a young girl or young boy boy that, that, that is released from that environment, and we've worked together so that we could um, assess the need they have and then begin a process of aftercare. Uh, so the, the perpetrator is in jail, but then what do you do with the child or the young girl or young boy that comes out of that? Their, their life needs to be sort of rehabbed and normalized, and they need to migrate back to a, a family environment. So that's one example. We also uh, 
have collected in the last 15 years uh, 3 million pairs of shoes, and we've distributed to over 80 countries uh, around the world. But we're only physically present in eight countries, so we, we haven't used everything we've collected. We've given those shoes so that children can have shoes through other organizations in other countries, because it's really not about us collecting and getting credit for it, but sharing with children that, that desperately need help. So that spirit of collaboration is already resident, and I I want to see more of it uh, as we go along. Dr. Reyes, we have uh, people listening in all walks of life right now. Some are very active in uh, being agents of redemption, and others are holding back for whatever reason. Maybe they don't feel qualified. Maybe they don't feel like they have anything to give. Speak to that person who perhaps feels that maybe they you know, aren't, uh, aren't on the front lines and, and want to do something. Right. Well, I, I think that uh, we we are moving into a unique era in mission history and in the work of the church world, worldwide. And in uh, here we are in the 20th century. And I have a friend that's talked about uh, the shift that has gone from the uh, you know from the, uh, the the ordained to the ordinary. Um, and so uh, God is using people. Um, you don't have to have a seminary education or even have a formal call to ministry. You know, I like to say that um, your vocational call is resident within your salvation. So your your vocation kind of is an expression of your salvation. And vocation in the Latin is vocate, which just means a calling. And so I try to emphasize even here at Buckner, you know, it's okay to have a career, but I really hope you would have a calling, uh, a calling that God gives you to to serve. And so every one of us in in, uh, churches and uh, throughout uh, the Bible study groups, campus ministries, the God of the universe is calling us to join Him in redemptive work. And what higher privilege could we have than to participate with with what God's doing? Nothing ever is going to last beyond that, beyond this life, uh, except what we did in service of Christ and His kingdom. And so um, no, the only qualifications that we ha- have is a willing heart, a relationship with Christ, and a generosity of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And with that, we can really, really uh, see redemptive transformation take place wherever we show up. And, and when we do that and get involved in people's lives, we really don't need an invitation. We don't need to make a way to tell the gospel. We have to just answer questions. And before you know it, you're in conversation about why we're there. And uh, people come to faith in Christ. They ask for Bibles, uh, even want Bible study. And then eventually they get in a group and that becomes a church, you know. So we don't really plant churches, not on purpose, but it happens, you know. And uh, it's just a great, I just can't think of anything uh, more exciting to do uh, in, in a person's life. Dr. Albert Reyes, President and CEO of Buckner International and the author of The Jesus Agenda. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, his book, or the ministry of Buckner, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Also there, you'll find an audio archive of past programs which you can stream online or download using our new iPhone, iPad app. The website also has a schedule of upcoming guests so you know how to mark your listening calendar. And to leave a comment on today's program, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. This program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who share our vision of telling the stories of people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ and called to serve Him. 
Find out more about FEBC by visiting firstpersoninterview.com and click on the FEBC banner. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you to listen next time to First Person.